Welcome to Everyday Elevations. I'm your host, Jason Fricka, and I'll be taking you on a journey towards holistic health, discovering the power of transformation through expert interviews, in-depth research, actionable advice, and personal growth stories. Welcome back to Everyday Elevations. I'm your host, Jason Fricka, and today we have a very, very exciting guest. This is the first live interview I'm doing, and our guest today has a background in psychology from Coastal Carolina University, where she has experience in behavioral health, and this is where she discovered her purpose in guiding others through emotions. And from her own transformative encounter with Reiki in 2020, she decided to dive deep into that and become certified in 2021, which is what she does partially now. She's a Reiki certified practitioner, as well as various other things she's going to discuss today. I'm so excited to have you on here. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, Jordan. With that, I'd love to let you give a little bit of background and just talk about Reiki here. Yeah, so like you mentioned, my name is Jordan. I did go to Coastal Carolina and graduated three years ago at this point, which feels kind of crazy. I did work in inpatient facilities and mental health. I also started to discover holistic and alternative routes of medicine and treatment as well. So that's how I got to Reiki at that time in my life. I wanted to start therapy, but that wasn't something that was available to me for a number of reasons, just cost, resources, finding a provider, a lot of things. So I started looking into, you know, what's an alternative to traditional therapy and have no idea how I heard this word or where I heard it. I cannot remember to this day. I don't know where I heard the word Reiki, but it popped in my head again out of nowhere. You know, during this time, I had some things going on. So I started doing some research into what it was. I was like, okay, this sounds really cool. Like I resonate with the things I was reading. So I started looking for a provider in my area as if I was going to go to a new doctor or, or a traditional therapist in my research and see each person, read a bit about them. I really just went with how I felt after reading their pages and profiles. And I went to see someone. It was really just enlightening and eye-opening. I just continued to go every week, you know, for 30 minutes. And it just helped me uncover and work through so many things and really realize how my internal and psyche, which I have a degree in psychology, is truly connected to our outer world and, you know, our perspectives, how we view things, how we interact and how those things also um, interact with us and our energy, you know, because it's not just a one-way street. It's definitely a two-way street. Just like when you go out of your house, anywhere you go, you interact with other people, you experience different energies, different people, things like that. I decided to then get certified in it because I thought it was so amazing and helped me dive deep into my um, own healing journey so much. I wanted to do that for others as well. That's amazing. With that, you mentioned the fact that you had this incredible experience for the first time. What was your experience like? What was so incredible about it? Like I said, I've never, I had never met this woman. I had never, you know, interacted with her, seen her on the street or in the store. But when I went to her and when we have a client come in, you relax on the table. It's like a massage table. It's nothing crazy or fancy. You lay there. There's typically a blanket pillow. Might have like low lighting, maybe some meditation music. I just went there and as she started working on me and working with my energy, my personal energy, she was receiving downloads and she was receiving information about me that you know, like I told you, I never met her. I didn't tell her these things. And she would ask me like, oh, have you dealt with this? Or has this been a constant in your life? Or, or certain things that she would just say. 
and she was just picking up on a lot of things. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was really cool how she just knew. And then just through also my own studying of Reiki and energy and, and chakras and things like that, you start to learn how the energies are connected. I just started to see all these parallels in what she was saying and like, oh, I have dealt with this my whole life. Like one thing, you know, for example, was migraines. Migraines is something my grandma has them. My mom has them. My brother has them. I have them. And there's no way she could have known, you know, I suffered from migraines my whole life because I didn't even live in that area my whole life. She asked if I got a lot of migraines and I was like, yes, I do. And, you know, do my ears ring a lot? And I was like, yes, they ring all the time. One thing after another. It was just really, really amazing. And, you know, as she intuitively was able to pick up on these things, probably need to talk to someone about and through her bringing them to the surface, I was at the point in my life and my journey where I was ready to start dealing with those things and start healing those deeper, you know, rooted energies that were in myself. So, you know, we hear a lot about generational wealth, but there's also generational curses and there's generational trauma that can be passed down through your lineage, sort of like how you say certain diseases are hereditary, sort of like that. So it's energies that are passed down through the lineage, you know, started to heal things related to that. And ultimately working led me to work on a lot of relationships, you know, with my family, with family, family members that had, you know, been lingering for a while. So yeah, it was just amazing. And every time, like I said, I went back each week, it was just something different or something new, you know, to basically bring into my awareness so then I could deal with it. So then I could release that energy and release that blockage of energy that I was feeling and, you know, start to heal from it and put the energy back in balance. Fascinating. Oh, it's crazy. To me, when I was hearing that, the first thing I thought when you, when she pinpointed that she had migraines, how does it differentiate between like a psychic healer versus a Reiki healer in in this regard, in the sense that I know in Reiki, they're dealing with your energies. I don't fully understand a psychic healer, what they do. And that's not to take anything away from them. I just try to understand Reiki a little bit more. Yeah. What's the difference between those two? Do you happen yeah, to know that so, by chance? Yeah, I can definitely touch on that. So... Reiki um, is a holistic, like I said, alternative, hands-off modalum. Reiki practitioners are trained through certification programs. There's different levels you go through that each deal with specific things. So like level one is learning basically the history of Reiki. You know, you want to know the background. You want to know where it came from, how it came to be, what it is. And ultimately Reiki, two words, Rei, which means like light. You know, I know we talked about in key, which means like, we, you know, we often refer to it as chi, chi energy, but ki in Japanese is ki energy. So like universal light energy, healing energy is literally what Reiki means. So basically a Reiki practitioner is going to channel that healing energy, that divine healing energy to the body to help put the body back into balance. You know, everything's made of energy. Our computers, laptops, everything in the world is made of energy. And that energy, like I was mentioning earlier, can influence us just as much as we can influence it. So as we move throughout our day, we're picking up other people's energy. You know, when we go through the store and we're, you know, we're not taking it on, but we're still picking up little bits and pieces of people's energy here and there. They're picking up on ours, you know, being around electromagnetic frequencies. That's a type of energy, you know, sound energy. There's all types. So it can all interact. So the Reiki practitioner is then trained in level one on how to identify a lot misalignment of energy in the body based on the chakra system. So there's seven main chakras. If you've ever seen, I know we talked a bit about the 
picture someone sitting crisscross and there's the rainbow circles going from the bottom to the top. Those are the seven main chakra systems. There are more chakras, you know, above and below and around, but those are the seven main ones. And they're related to each one has physical relations. So like body, physically in the body, emotional and mental. So like our feelings, our emotions, the way we think, and then our spiritual. So that's basically what holistic is, mind, body, spirit. So Reiki touches on all of those things. You know, the energy in those chakra centers can be overactive and out of balance, or they can be underactive and out of balance. Obviously, we want them in balance. In science, we would refer to that as being at a point of homeostasis, you know, like everything's good and check in order. So that's level one. Level two is when we get into basically, I say increasing your Reiki power, but so it's a little bit more than that. We learn more signs and symbols that can increase the flow, help increase the flow of energy. Like if someone is very blocked, you know, we may use certain symbols to pull that energy out and then to then increase the inner, the healing energy that's flowing in. And then level two, we also learn distance Reiki. So there are other signs and symbols that the practitioner is taught to create basically an energetic bridge to the person, even if they're not in the room with us. I could easily do Reiki on you or, or really anyone anywhere in the world, as long as I know your location. Like I said, we're trained with those symbols and with certain like words and phrases on how to establish that energetic connection, even though it is not in the same room as us. Even at first, I was a little skeptical about like, oh, how does it work? I, you know, like, I'm not sure how it's going to work. But once, you know, I went through my second level of training and of course started practicing it more, I almost prefer it actually, because it really allows me to like sit down and focus and really focus on that connection that I've established. It's a little bit easier for me to relax because sometimes when I have a patient, right, or not a patient, a client right in front of me, I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) like my ego kicks in and it's like, is it working? Is the Reiki working? I know it's working. You know, I know it's working because I'm getting messages and I can feel their energy, but in distance, I'm able to just basically take away that factor of having someone else in the room and just more clearly establish that connection and, and receive downloads for whatever they have going on. So, so we get into the final level of Reiki training where you basically learn to become a Reiki master yourself. That's where I would learn how to be a teacher. And how, then I could teach other people Reiki. There's a couple of different levels. And like I said, each level just has different different things, different symbols, signs, and information that we learn to be able to do this for people. Because it really is an amazing modality that people um, don't know about and know is available to them outside of traditional Western things. So it's very complimentary. I would never tell anyone, get off your medicine and stop seeing your doctor and get Reiki done. Like, no, it's something I wholeheartedly believe is a compliment to it. And then, you know, down the road intuitively, you know, it's a client's decision to ultimately, you know, participate more fully in alternative and holistic health or find whatever balance works for them. Really, I tell people it's you and you know yourself better than anyone. You're with yourself every day, all day, your entire life. Like, you know, figure out what works for you. And that takes time, which is fine. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And that what you're saying there is it's really, if you don't know who you are, what's working for you, then until you figure that out, no one's going to really be able to help you out and you're not gonna be able to help yourself out. I'm curious about this just because I've never done distance Reiki and the Reiki I did, I experienced this back in 2019. We talked about this a little bit. I had done the, a half marathon obstacle course for a, essentially an adult day camp for entrepreneurs. 
And I'd done that on a sprained knee. I was in excruciating pain. And when we got done, we all laid down in a group of like 20 people. And I can't remember everything that happened. I just remember the feeling I had over it. I know she discussed a whole bunch of aspects of Reiki during it. I believe we did some meditation work. By the time we were done... I felt no pain. It was the craziest thing. I didn't understand what happened at all, but I was like, this is insane. Like, I feel as if I just woke up two days earlier with nothing going on and two days with a good knee too, might I add. Like my knee wasn't hurting anymore. And so that's why I've always been interested in it. But that was an in-person session, no hands or anything on me. Cause there's a huge group. She wasn't gonna walk around and put a hand on somebody and right. check the energy or anything like that. It's just, that'd be unrealistic. But in the distance, how is that? work exactly in terms of the energy? Is it something that you see is more of an intuition in terms of the person conversing with you? That's the one part that I had the most questions on when it comes to distance Reiki. In distance Reiki, like I said, we are, once you get to that level where you're establishing a connection with someone that's not in the room with you, like we have to learn additional material. You know, we have to learn certain signs and symbols that have been you know, part of the Reiki tradition since it began. And that's how you establish a connection with someone who's not in the room with you. Now, part of that is like, there is an, and I think this was maybe one of the questions you sent me before, like a session in person or distance, like I will sit down, you know, myself, I'll make sure I have whatever I need for my session. So that could include crystals, that could include a certain type of meditation music, like, but even in preparation, all of these things are intuitive for me. Like, I don't know if I should take, if I'm picking a, a red crystal for the root chakra, let's say, and I have a red jasper and then I have a red tiger's eye. Like I just go with whatever my intuition says, choose for that person that I'm working with. But that doesn't mean I'm going to use the same crystal for someone in the next session. So it's very intuitive. I just walk over to my collection. I'll grab whichever one my hand immediately goes to. Same thing with the music. Um, sometimes before a session, I'll, I'll just have a thought like, hey, turn on the frequency for third eye or turn on the frequency for solar plexus or heart chakra or whatever. And I have just gotten to a point in my own life and practice where I trust the messages that I get. You know, I just trust my intuition. If they say do it, like I just do it. I don't ask questions because when I don't do it is when I learn hard lessons. Some people will use a, a paper, literally a paper printout of like a flat Stanley type body and they'll put a crystal it's sort of just to help us more with that visualization piece of, okay, I'm working with this specific chakra. I'm working with this. So I don't use a printout, which is fine. I just set my crystals that correspond with each chakra in a line. And then I work within that chakra with that crystal. And intuitively, again, I just receive downloads and I receive messages just through my mind. Like if I'm working on a certain area, hey, have you had any issues with, with this? Like, okay. I'll give you an example. So solar plexus is our stomach. Our stomach um, solar plexus is yellow. Yellow, of course, has a lot to do with like shining bright. And when we think of shining, so sometimes when we think of shining bright, we think of like ourselves. And so the solar plexus has a lot to do with self, self-confidence, um, leadership, authority, things like that. So let's say someone solar plexus is out of balance it might be really overactive. They might have irritable bowel syndrome that might manifest the energetic imbalance might manifest physically as irritable bowel syndrome or someone who constantly has to go to the bathroom. But in the world, you know, related to again, authority, leadership, self-confidence, things like that, that imbalance, maybe they also feel, you know, they might have physically irritable bowel syndrome, but mentally, emotionally, 
they might have problems with authority or they might have problems standing up for themselves because again, that's, that's the mental aspect of that chakra. So you've got the physical, you've got the mental and then the spiritual would just be the solar plexus being out of balance, overactive or underactive. So those are the three, like they're like, that's an example. So I might pick up when I get to that solar plexus chakra, like, Hey, do you have a lot of stomach issues or do you have a lot of things like that bother you with your stomach? Do you have to go to the bathroom often? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I do. Okay. So now that tells me, you know, since I know everything that's linked together, that tells me you may also have issues. Like, like I said earlier with standing up for yourself or being an authority in your life, you know, you might feel like people walk all over you things like that. So I might say, Hey, like, do you have issues standing up for yourself or speaking up for yourself when you feel like something's wrong? And it's like, Oh yeah, I do. Well, now that I brought that to the surface, that's something you can be aware of once you leave our session and you can work on, you know? So then once you start to work on that slowly, but surely the Reiki session will help put it back into balance. But moving forward, since that's such a deep rooted emotion, you know, like it could take some time to continue to clear that out and work on it. Cause we don't just get confident overnight, you know, like you want to leave your session feeling a lot better and have that awareness. It's also going to, it provides long-term healing as well because it's bringing these things to the surface for, for people to deal with. It's like immediate relaxation and then also long-term relief as well, which is what I really like about it. It's fascinating you mentioned the, that immediate relief because I know there's one of the questions I was always curious about with this is, and especially since that's what I experienced and I didn't understand why there's so much immediate relief right away. And it seems to be a common thing uh, when people complete a Reiki session is this absolute relaxation at yeah. the end of it. Like there's sure. no way the world on you. Mm-hmm. Why exactly is that? Absolutely. So ultimately I believe the, a lot of people, like you already said, leave feeling relaxed. They leave feeling so like if you come in like with a lot of stress, they feel so calm, de-stressed. Like a lot of people, sometimes when they leave, they're like, oh, I feel like I need a nap. You know, they feel really even exhausted, but like in a good way, you know, like you're ready for like a good rest. And I really believe that comes from clearing out all the energy, all the stuck energy, stagnant energy, negative energy that's been occupying the body. When all of that gets pulled out, it's kind of like a detox, basically like a flush. You're like, Ooh, like, wow. So a lot of people feel better because you don't have all that gunk and all that ewe stuff, you know, in there taking up your energy. Now you're back, you're closer to that homeostasis, that original alignment with all of the chakras. So ultimately people leave. So I personally believe that's where it's come from. Sort of like, if you think about like a bathroom or something that's never been cleaned in three years, it's going to have buildup. It's going to have, you know, dirt and grime and mold and all this stuff. Okay. Then you start to clean it. Every time you clean it, you take away a little bit more of that dirt, you know, and it gets a little bit cleaner. And so like, it's back to what it should be. And it's back at its like best state, its highest, greatest state that it could be in. So it's pretty much the same thing. You're just clearing all that away. Yeah. It makes you feel, feel better when you leave. So I just think that that's amazing. <laughs> No, and I, as I said, the experience I had was incredible, and I'm still confused to this day. I want to learn more about it and get more involved in Reiki sessions, which yeah. is one of the reasons I was so excited you reached out. Completely unrelated note, it's just a fun little fact. Yeah. So I've told you that I was having a, a baby. I felt like this was fate that you reached out to me on, on Facebook because of the fact that my son's name is actually going to be Jordan Maxwell. I was like, Oh, I have to talk to this person. As soon as you sent the message, like, Oh, I was like, I don't know how we're going to make this happen. We're going to make this happen. So probably should have mentioned this way earlier in this, but I just thought it was so fascinating. It just popped in my head right at that moment. I was like, I have to tell you this. And that's just like 
even to this day, I think I had mentioned before, I've been doing Reiki for, you know, two, three years at this point, but the universe, no matter what, will always continue to align things. And every time an alignment or coincidence happens, I'm like, kind of like reaffirming that this is real and, and this is where this works. And, you know, all energies are connected and nothing is coincidence. It's just divinely aligned, I guess is the words that I like to use. I think that's just no. cool. Yeah, it blew my mind when it happened. I even told my fiance. She's like, no. I was like, yeah, for real. Yeah. I was like, I can't explain it, but it worked out perfectly. And honestly, um, you can do Reiki on babies. Fair. Yeah. I didn't even, didn't even realize that. I mean, I probably could have put two and two together, oh, but. Yeah. People don't. And they don't. Same with the animals and pets. They don't realize that they're also energetic beings who can um, can pick up on energy. And they pets have their own chakra system as well. So baby works on babies. It works on pets. It works on grown adults. It's really something for everyone. If it's energy, Reiki can interact with it. So even sometimes people will do, Reiki practitioners will do Reiki on a space, like a physical space. The space doesn't really have chakras, but universal healing energy is healing energy regardless. So, you know, we can still set the intention and send that energy to a physical space. So, you know, someone who wants to do a home birth or someone who wants to have like a Reiki circle, they might do Reiki on the room and, you know, intend for that space to hold and have the highest good for everyone that then enters the space. It's actually, you know, it's really, really cool. You can just do it so many ways and you can do it in a group, which is basically what you experienced where, you know, you guys did the marathon and then she had you, you know, sitting in a circle and that's the other good thing about Reiki. It's not hands-on. So people who aren't comfortable with being touched, um, people who don't like to be touched, they may have trauma from physical touch and, and physical interactions, or they might have um, skin diseases or certain things with their skin when they can't be touched. That's another really great thing about Reiki. We don't have to put our hands on people. And since Reiki is divine healing energy, it's also very intuitive. I could be working on a certain chakra, but the Reiki... It's going to go there, but it's also going to go anywhere else in your body that you need it. So it's very intuitive that way. It can just pick up on what we need. So every session you get, every session you leave confident that you got what you were supposed to get in that session, which is also sometimes a hard point for people. Like I know one time I did have a session where I, and this was when I was sort of deep in my healing journey. I was kind of at that turning point where it's like, okay, are you going to stay the same or are you going to change? And Sometimes that little turning point is called a dark night of the soul for people. And it can be really, really hard. So like that one particular session I left and I didn't feel any better. I was still crying. I was still upset and things like that. It doesn't happen often. Even in that moment, I had to accept that what I got in that session, the things she were telling me is what I needed in that moment. Even if, you know, sometimes it wasn't what I wanted to hear. Like that was what needed to be brought up and released. So I could then work through it and let it go, even if it wasn't what I wanted to hear at that time. It can be relaxing, but I very much encourage people to do their research because if you aren't ready to start bringing up those deeper things and dealing with them, then sometimes people can leave and say like, oh, like I had a Reiki session, but it brought up a lot of emotions for me. And when you bring a lot of emotions up with people, they don't like that. So a lot of people, sometimes they'll write off that experience as, I didn't like Reiki. It didn't work for me. And sometimes I have to say, oh, like, Maybe you weren't ready to deal with what you heard at that time. And they say, oh, I haven't had a session in years. I'm like, okay, well, maybe now, now that you're hearing about it again, maybe this is time for another session. Maybe you're ready now. I definitely encourage people to do their research. It is healing. It's amazing, relaxing, de-stressing, like I said. 
but it can, it definitely does have that personable accountability aspect as well. So once you bring stuff up, you got to start dealing with it. If you're not ready for the hard truth, then it's one of those things that's hard to really give yourself to the session. And I think people have to realize just like any type of therapy, you have mm-hmm. to be willing to put in the work with it. And you're yeah. not going to always get the answers you want. In fact, most time, my personal experience, I, wor- I was not getting the answers I wanted, but the answers yeah. I needed that time. I wasn't always receptive to those, <laughs> those answers. But as I matured more, I started understanding everything behind them. And exactly. I think that's really important for people to realize too, with any, anything, especially Reiki, is that there's going to be things that pop up, as you said, that you just weren't expecting mm-hmm. and maybe you weren't ready to deal with, but know that it's there for a reason. I think that's fascinating. I just want to throw in one more little caveat with that. So at the same time, your practitioner also has to be able to trust their intuition. Like when I have a client come in, I can read, I can feel their energy. I can just sense it. And sometimes when I do receive messages that could be intense or interpreted tough, they could be tough messages. Sometimes some messages I get, I won't necessarily share. If spirit in universe calls me to share them, I'll share them. But if it's something like I, sometimes they'll just tell me for me to know, but that's not something I necessarily share with the client in the moment because I know they're not ready for that. And that's not for me to say, like, I listen to whatever they tell me to do. So sometimes during a session, I might bring up things during the session and I don't really converse with my clients. Like we can talk, we can not talk. Most people fall asleep. Sometimes I might ask questions as I'm moving through the chakras, but sometimes I might just be making mental notes in my head so we can process it all at the end of the session. So you can just relax, get the energy. And then at the end, I might ask a couple questions and then maybe down the road, I'll be like, Hey, in our initial session, I picked this up. You know, at that time I didn't feel like it was appropriate to bring up, but now I will. So that also comes with the practitioner's discernment. I don't want people to listen to this and think, Oh, I'm going to go hear a bunch of messages that I don't want to hear. Like, no, that's not the case. The practitioner also has to be mindful and, and intuitive with themselves as well. I was reading on your website. It was just a term that interested me a lot. It said disease. To me, that's a super fascinating term. What does that mean? And can maybe talk about something regarding your own personal story or even a client experience that would embody this type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. In traditional English, we say disease. Disease, as you've seen on my website, is the word disease, but there's a hyphen between the D-I-S and the rest of the word. So disease is basically what I was touching on earlier when I say the chakra is out of balance. When it's in balance, it's at what we would say ease. When it's overactive or underactive, it's at dis-ease. That can manifest either emotionally, mentally, or physically. That's where we get into the English word disease. And we don't mean disease. Sometimes it will be physical disease that could be cancer. But in general, like I was saying, dis-ease just means an imbalance. And that can manifest then as a medical disease. Again, I know I also talked about generational trauma and generational curses. So let's give an example. Okay, heart chakra. Our heart chakra deals with our love family, connections, our self-love, not just the love, you know, from other people, but the love we give to ourselves and things like that. Let's say there has been a constant in a family's line of having maybe a missing parent. And that has been something that has been just consistently through the generation of family. So they might have chronic heart issues. And because that has gone on so long, it could be hundreds of years. It could be thousands of years. It could go back. And I'm not saying every generation lost a parent, but that could just be very common in that family. 
that might manifest as cardiovascular disease or heart disease or something in someone in the current generation who's here. That would be like a blockage in that sense. That would be a disease, cardiovascular disease, but because the heart chakra has been out of balance for so long through so many people. Now, if that person in this lifetime decides to start working through those family things and start healing that chakra related to the family and love and things like that, it's going to also relate to our root chakra, which is our security, our family stability, being able to count on others. But it's also going to relate to the heart chakra as well. Then once you become aware of that and, hey, I've had this thing in my family go on for so many generations and so many years. Now someone's aware of that. They can start to heal that. So I'm not going to say it's going to make your cardiovascular disease just magically disappear. But again, it could start to help improve those symptoms and improve that those things that you're dealing with related to your heart. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And thank you so much for clarifying that. I kind of had an idea that's where, what that entailed. There's just one thing I wanted to clarification for my own mind's sake. I was like, oh, I got to ask this regardless because I want to know for sure. I want to backtrack a little bit because you had mentioned animal energies and we've talked about this. You're, you're a dog person. I'm a dog person. How does that yeah. work? It, I, I, and I understand dogs are very intuitive creatures. They can tell when you're mm-hmm. sad and everything. They can tell when you're happy. How does that work? Not just in an in-person session, but like if you wanted to do a distance session for a Reiki session for your animal, how does that work exactly? Yeah. Yeah. So same thing. I would basically establish the connection the same way I would as a human. I'll set the intention. I'll do the symbols that I need to do in my space and set that up. And then of course, on the opposite end, we just tell our clients to be in a space where you're not going to be disturbed for however long your session is. You're welcome. I always tell people to bring things that are going to make you comfortable, wear comfortable clothes, set a timer because as I mentioned, people can fall asleep. Basically, yeah, set your animal in a space where they're not going to be disturbed. If you have other animals or pets, maybe you can sit in there with them if you'd like to. I do the same things to set up that energetic connection. And basically I would do the session the same way. It wouldn't be too much different. And then the thing with animals though, well, they don't talk obviously. (laughs) So they can't tell me like, Oh, you know, like I got all the energy, like I need it. I'm good. Like, so humans, we can set a time, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever, whatever. With animals, they'll let us know when they're done. They typically... Once you start doing the the Reiki, like on an animal, they just get very calm. They lie there. They're just very chill. Whenever they're done receiving the healing, they'll tell you because they'll just get up and like walk away. And they're like, all right, I'm good. Like, that's enough. It's pretty much how they communicate it with us. That's how my dog communicates it with me. They pretty much just let us know like, okay, I got what I needed. Thanks. Bye. Peace out. And you can do it as often as you need to, depending upon what your animal has going on. Or also, again, very intuitive. A lot of people ask me as well, oh, how often should I come for a session? And I'm like, how often do you think you need a session? It seems kind of counterintuitive because we're so used to doctors being like, okay, physical therapy three times a week for 12 weeks and then come back and see me again. But Reiki's a little bit different. I tell people it's based on what you think you need and you know how often you think your pet needs it because sometimes we do have that prescription to do a certain thing certain times a week for a certain amount of weeks and we're like, okay, I'm doing it because that's what they told me to do, but that might not be what you feel like you need. So that's where I guess holistic and alternative does give you a little bit more flexibility to One, consult yourself and be able to trust the things that your body is intuitively telling you. We just have to turn our ears on and listen because we're so used to just hearing it from other people telling us what to do. I like that it puts that responsibility back on us to really 
learn to be quiet and tune in with ourselves because we're always so in tune with the world around us. So it kind of, you know, makes us like, okay, let me talk with myself, not talk with myself. That's not a little, you know, whatever, but listen to myself and listen to what my body's trying to tell me. Same thing when we have certain cravings, your body's trying to tell you something. I guess that'd be my best comparison there. <laughs> I'm just curious, mostly for my own sake. I'm sure there's other listeners that have similar issues. Like my dog tends to be weirdly protective and borderline aggressive in the house. Could there be some underlying issues going on with her? I know you're not a vet, but in terms of like energy and Reiki, would a Reiki session be able to be something that could maybe potentially pinpoint some of those things that are agitating her when somebody comes over and correct some of the energy issues that she's having? So as far as something like that being um, protective of the home, that makes me think there's some type of energy and not to say that this has been your dog's experience in your house, but there is some type of energy within your dog that's saying like they don't, when someone else comes in the home, like they feel threatened and they don't feel safe. So that like, again, that might not be something that they established or learned while being in your home. But somehow they have that energy of, okay, now I need to protect the space. Now when other people enter, I feel like I have to go into defense mode and be protective. So yeah, like I would just do a Reiki session and see if I would intuitively get any messages that have to do deal with that type of energy of being protective of the home. And again, also, this is just dogs. Women are pregnant. They do become very, very protective of the baby and the woman. So I don't know if this has been just a recent thing with that going on or if it's been an in general thing, but I know that's also a factor. That's, that's really, she actually calmed down a lot more with others or with your fiance. With others. She's been fine with my fiance pretty much the whole time. And once she got to know her, once she gets to know somebody, she gets comfortable. She's fine, but she always wants attention yeah. yet will bark if you try and pet her if she doesn't know you. And it's, uh, it's so counterintuitive to the point where I have to bring her upstairs when I have people over. I don't want to go off too much of a tangent. I'm just more curious than anything else with that. Because that would be something I'd definitely be interested in looking in, into further because yeah. I don't understand why it is she acts that way. And I think it's yeah. fascinating that there could be a session that might be able to help eventually pinpoint that and correct it. It makes you hesitant to have people over if she's going to just run up and bark at them. She's never worried about her ever attacking. Yeah. She's not aggressive in that sense, but she has a mean bark. You've seen my dog. Like sometimes with dogs, we just have to understand that that's their voice. So if someone came, walked into the room and they had a really deep voice, it might catch us off guard, but we have to realize that's just their voice. That's how the energy vibrates in their vocal cords. So that's how the sound comes out. It doesn't mean they're being aggressive. It doesn't mean they're trying to hurt you, but like, that's just what they sound like. And it, it can be off-putting for people. I know we are kind of getting out on tangent now, but it, it can be off-putting for people. So it's like, oh, like, do I put you up because the sound you make is scary or, oh, I just know that's your voice and you're, you're not going to do anything. Sometimes I've also come to, to realize pets imbalance may come from the owner unintentionally. So like, again, with my own pet, I went through the same thing where I was like, oh, you know, her bark, she's a great name. Like her bark, it's so loud. It's such a deep bark. When people hear it, they like run the other way. But like, I had to realize and I had to learn to trust her so she could then trust herself to be like, okay, mom knows I'm not being aggressive, but I had to trust that that was just her voice. And I knew she wasn't going to hurt anyone because when she would feel my hesitancy and my kind of like nervousness of like, oh, are you about to do something? Or like when she barks, oh, your natural instinct is to grab your dog. But they're like, okay, why are you grabbing me? Like they don't, they're not able to understand that. 
So sometimes it's unintentional through the owners and the way that we treat them. So I'll even go further into a personal story. So my dog, like I mentioned, is a great dame. They have a lot of osteoarthritis and gastrointestinal problems just as a breed because they're a giant breed. So around one years old, which is very, very young for great dames, she started limping out of nowhere. She just was not using her back left leg at all. Not at all. So took her to the vet, of course. They just chopped it up to her being a Great Dane. She's growing too fast. It's hip dysplasia. So they performed a surgery on her. And basically from the time she had that surgery, from age one to two, she would not use her leg ever. She was basically a tri- handicapped tripod dog. She wouldn't use her leg. We tried physical therapy. We tried laser therapy. We tried medicine. Like We tried everything we could possibly throw at her. And... I kid you not, until I started doing Reiki on her and sitting down with her and being intentional with my time that, oh, I can do Reiki on my dog. Why not? When I started being intentional and sitting to her, sitting with her and listening to her, because like I said, they can't talk. We have to not only listen to ourselves, we have to be able to sit and listen to our pets as well. So once I realized sort of where the imbalance was coming from, I was then able to basically correct the things that I was doing or I wasn't doing as an owner. And then she started to use her leg again and she started to put weight on her leg and she gained all her muscle back. And from age, she's three now, age two to three, she's been a-okay. She's been perfect, perfectly fine in the hip area. So that's our sacral chakra. And then of course, dogs, the tail end is going to be their root chakra. It was Mm -hmm. just me when I got her. It was just me. I raised her by myself in an apartment. It was like my first dog on my own. I was still in college. I was in like my final semester of college when I got her. I was taking like 21 credit hours, which was above the max you could take. So like I was really stressed. I had a lot going on and she was a bit of a menace when she was a puppy. She tore up a lot of the house. I would call my mom crying. Like it was just really stressful. So in a lot of ways, I wasn't giving her... I would, of course, feed her, walk her, love on her, take care of her. We've always had dogs. I've always loved dogs. So it wasn't that. But at the same time, I had to realize there were still certain things I wasn't giving to her that made her feel safe and secure and stable, which is what our root chakra is. Again, this is at the same time I was going through my own healing. So I was dealing with a lot of emotions and a lot of up and down emotions. It was a pretty rough time for me. And I think she was also intuitively picking up on that. And our emotions are is our sacral chakra, which is our hip area. So between the hip area of her and her tail area of where I wasn't being the best pet owner and provider and giving her the stability and support she needed, she was having issues with her hips and back legs. Once I was able to identify that and realize that and change the things I was doing, well, then she was able to then walk again and use her leg and establish healthy muscle and healthy bone growth and things like that. So. It's insane to me that that was the only thing that worked because like I said, we spent thousands of dollars on treatments beforehand. That's just the point she was at. That's just a really personable example, not only for pets, but for owners as well. How we treat our dogs, they pick up on that too. So I appreciate sharing that. And the more you mentioned that and talked about it, it kind of makes sense because I think my own personal hesitancy with it creates a level of discomfort for her. And I knew that intuitively. It's just hard for me to break myself with that habit. You don't really think about how your energy affects other people and your animals around you as much. So like this, this whole call has been very fascinating to me. I love it. I love where we're going with it. When you're doing the sessions is for instance, let's say I had set up a session for my dog, Rizzy. Would I be in the room with them to help keep them comfortable? Or is this something where you just kind of 
put them in a room and whatever works for them works for them type thing. Like, how does that work exactly? I'm just curious. Yeah. So for that, I think it depends again on the dog or on the pet. Some animals naturally can't stay out because they destroy stuff. So they're comfortable. Honestly, I would say put your pet where they're most comfortable. Like my dog, she's trained to go home which means go in her cage. She's comfortable in her cage. She knows if she doesn't feel safe or she does, if you know, like I have a bunch of people over, she knows her safe space is in her cage. Like that's where she's trained to go. She loves it in there. So I would say put them wherever they're comfortable. I would never say just shut your dog in a room. That could be really triggering for a lot of dogs. That could be like, oh, you just abandoned me. You left me in here and you locked the door. So I would say do whatever's best for you and your pet. I mean, I would definitely advise sitting in the room. Um, like I said, more than likely, they're just going to lay there and relax. A lot of times if you do Reiki on humans, the pet will want to be in the room because they want some of that good energy. So they might, you know, come in anyways, but that would be my advice there. Just do whatever's comfortable and whatever's safe pretty much. Gotcha. No, I appreciate it because that's something I've been interested in looking into further as well. One of the things I'm really focused on in this podcast itself is actual steps. Now, I realize that people are going to have to do one-on-one sessions for Reiki to really get the benefits. What else can they do once they understand some of the underlying issues? What are some actual steps they could do to keep that working for them, to keep themselves in balance? What are some actual steps they might be able to do? Yeah, absolutely. So as far as actionable steps, things to do at home, sort of like a doctor. They're not going to say, oh, come see me and then send you home with nothing. Like there, there are things you can do at home. And basically, this is going to tie back into the main chakra system. That really is sort of the foundation of Reiki is working with that chakra system. So once you are able to learn it for yourself, it's sort of like learning your alphabet. Once you learn the alphabet, you can say any word because you know what each letter sounds like. So it's literally the same thing. Once you learn each chakra and learn the physical, mental, spiritual aspects related to each of the seven chakras, you're basically golden. <laughs> you're good to go because then you then naturally through that learning, it's sort of like um, going down a rabbit hole. Like once you start reading stuff about the chakras, you want to read more and then you want to read more and you want to read more. So starting with that foundational knowledge, realizing, like, again, I said, what each chakra is related to, then you can do things at home that are related to that chakra. Reiki is energy, your energy. We have different types of energy, which we've touched on a few. We've talked about sound energy is one thing people can do at home. I also mentioned I might play a certain frequency or certain meditation related to that chakra, like a third eye meditation. There are certain hertz frequencies in certain, they're called solfeggio frequencies. It's like S-O-L-F-E-G-G-I-O. So those are frequencies that resonate with chakras, specific ones. Each one has a different frequency and you can play those because the sound waves, it's going to enter through your ear and it's going to work with that chakra because that's what it resonates with. So sound is one way to do that. That's one type of frequency energy. Another thing in regards to sound, people may have heard of something called like a sound bath or Tibetan singing bowls where people hit the bowl and then it makes a certain frequency sound. So that's one way. Color therapy, that's a traditional type of Western therapy. Color therapy also plays into this as well because each of the chakras is a different color, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, white, eating certain foods that are related to that certain color chakra. So again, you're having issues with your solar plexus, you might want to eat yellow foods, bananas, pineapples, anything that's yellow. So anything related to that chakra. So that's sort of the color. You can wear the color of the chakra. If you know you have a really bad 
heart chakra imbalance and you really, really, really want to work on your heart chakra and healing that, you might want to start wearing a lot of green or a lot of pink because those are related to the heart chakra. So colors one, sounds one. Of course, you can get a Reiki session, other things you can do at home. Let me see, using essential oils or certain oils, like obviously you like your more earthy smelling types of oils, like a cinnamon, something really earthy smelling. That would be really good for your root chakra because that's your chakra that keeps you grounded and keeps you basically like level-headed and, and supported and things like that. So you can use oils. Some people believe in, some people don't believe in chakra yoga. There are certain asanas or certain postures that could be related to chakra. So sometimes people do chakra yoga. There are chakra yoga videos on YouTube. So there's lots of different things you can do at home in general for all the chakras. Journaling is a really big thing. Um, doing meditations, you can do certain chakra meditations or just general meditations. So there are lots of things you can do at home, honestly. And there's lots of books out there, like the one I sent you as well. Excuse me, that'll basically tell people what they can do at home. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to get into that book because I want to learn so much more about this. I didn't realize there's that many things you could do from home. So that's fascinating. I'm sure a lot of people really appreciate this and this this whole conversation. You've been so helpful and so open with your time. And I really, really appreciate you. I'd say it's probably about time to wrap this up here. I want to thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you? Yeah. At? One more thing just popped in my head. Sometimes you'll see people wearing sure. like beaded bracelets or certain jewelry or things. So crystals are another great thing for balancing the chakras. You know, like I carry crystals. I mentioned them a bit earlier in my pocket. They come from the earth. They're earth's natural energy source. They're all made under different conditions in different ways and different types of weather in different parts of the world. So they're all very unique. And certain ones can be related to certain chakras. So again, you can throw on some like chakra bracelets, some jewelry, or you can just carry them in your pocket. So that was just one more thing. All my social media and my website are the same. It's Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, Holistic Healer, JordanHolisticHealer.com on Facebook. It's just Jordan Holistic Healer. And again, on Instagram, it's the same thing. So any of those platforms, I try to be accessible I think there's a contact section on my website as well that will send me an email if you're easy peasy email type of person as well. So Perfect. I'm expecting a lot of people reach out to you to learn more about this because this has been a fantastic call. Again, I want to thank you so much for your time and for being on here with me. Thank you again. Yes, it's course, been an yeah. absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, leave us a review, and don't forget to follow us on social media for the latest updates and behind the scenes content.